Welcome to the Bible Rundown, day 158. Pastor Rob, Pastor David on the microphone today. It is two kings, David. We have Ahaz and Hezekiah, and they're back to back to one another, the kings of Judah. We're in the story of God's people, the up and downs of the roller coaster that is Israel. Mm Mm-hmm. No doubt that they are in an up and down roller coaster, just like our lives sometimes. It's up and down, right? Oh, every day. <laughs> sometimes we struggle like Ahaz, and sometimes the Lord allows us and gives us grace to reform our life like Hezekiah. Yeah. But he's still with us. Yeah. And I think that that's the key, right? Like verse 5, Ahaz comes into rule, um, and uh He's he's not faithful to the Lord, and therefore the Lord is God gave him into the hand of the king of Assyria. You know, Rob, we make these decisions in how we choose to follow the Lord, right? Or how we choose to reject the Lord, but all things are according to his plan that he allows. And so he's now raising up. We're getting to the end, right? And all these foreign kings that used to be in awe of Israel and Judah— and their, their power and their strength that was rooted in the Lord, all of a sudden, the Lord's raising them up. They have no fear. Right. And they begin to approach. And, and Ahaz becomes this, uh, this king that becomes self-reliant. There may be some other things before these verses, but I just kind of flip forward to verses 21 through 22. You know, that Ahaz took a portion from the house of the Lord and the house of the king and gave tribute to the king of Assyria, thinking it would give him help. Mm. But it did not help him. And then verse 22, in the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to God. Mm. And Rob, I think where you started, right? Like our lives are always going to feel like they're up and down. But when we have the choice to remain faithful, will we, in those times of distress, lean in? Yeah. Or become self-reliant? Yeah, it's this, it's this path, right? We're on the path. Sometimes we... We get knocked off, maybe trial or circumstances in our life, make poor decisions, what whatever it may be. But God's people always get back on. They always repent and turn to the Lord. And uh, they call out um, to the Lord God Almighty. They call upon his name. And so in here, it is just Ahaz is showing what he's always shown, which is his heart is against God. And so even in the time of distress, when he is pushed to the brink, pushed to the edge, you would think that he would call out to the name of the Lord. He doesn't because that's what's in his heart. Yeah. So, I mean, the takeaway for us, right, is you're going to have times of distress in life. You are. Where are you going to go? You what, gonna, what are you going to do? Are you going to call out to the Lord? Yeah, you should. Or are you going to rely on... On human wisdom and strength. Hezekiah cries out to the Lord, yeah. but like we talked about when we were discussing him a couple weeks ago, mm. he kind of becomes puffed up in pride and yeah. the Lord uses it ultimately to bring Babylon against him in the future. Yeah, and and you know, it's interesting that Hezekiah's father was so wicked. Hezekiah's son will be just as wicked. Yeah. And so the 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 generation skips a generation there with Hezekiah, but you know it's 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 an interesting story, right? They they began to clean out the temple. They find the word of God, 
I don't think Chronicler is 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 reminding us of that yet, but but you know, it's it's just an interesting story of how God's people can go so far away from him yet God can raise up one man to restore them back. Yeah, and he does it, right? I liked verse 10. We've again been reiterating as we go through the chronicles covenant mm. the Lord puts in Hezekiah's heart to make a covenant with the Lord, right? So that his anger's turned away. Mm. So how is the wrath of God turned away from us in our sin? Mm. Through the covenant we've received in Christ. The new covenant the new in covenant. his blood. That's right. What a beautiful picture. Let's move to uh, John chapter 17 and uh, let's talk about the priestly prayer. This is, this mm. is one of the most important prayers that Jesus gives um, and he's praying to us, you know. This is a prayer to God's people, not only then, but also now. Um, and uh, it's, I love verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And it, it's sanctify in them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of being sent, what does it mean? to be sent david the the idea that jesus was sent so that we could be sent that's one of our key core values here is sent on mission what does it really mean to be sent yeah i mean i think you're really big on colossians 3 4 that christ is our life Mm -hmm. and so i think when we say we are sent what are we sent to do what are we sent to proclaim? Mm-hmm. And I think we go back to where chapter 17 starts. Uh, verse 3. We're sent to demonstrate to the world the relationship we have now with God the Father through what the Son has done for us. Mm-hmm. So we're to teach people that message. How to teach them how to not only hear it and receive it, but how to walk in it. But I think we're to model it, right? Mm-hmm. And so... With the life we've received in Christ, are we glorifying him in that same work that we've been given to do? Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting. If we look at John's gospel, I feel like a lot of the relational aspect that John is getting at is where we see it end in verse uh, 26 and, and kind of in that section, right? But Jesus is asking that the love and the unity that he had with the Father before the beginning of time would be implanted or passed on to his disciples. Right. And so what are we sent? Like we are sent to proclaim, but we're sent to demonstrate the unity that God the Father and God the Son have had for all eternity. Mm -hmm. And that we have now been made a part of by what? By what you said. Christ sanctifying us by laying down his life that we can have his life for our own. Amen. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things, who are you living for? Right. It's good. I mean, I, I think I think that uh, it's probably, you know, when we think of what Christ was sent to do, he was sent to redeem a lost people, to bring them back to God, to the ministry of reconciliation, to have peace with God, that's what we're sent to do, right? Is to tell people the good news message that the king 
has come and he set up his kingdom. And the way is through the cross of Christ, believing upon Christ for salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit so that you can walk the path of God and be the light of the world. All these themes are coming together to produce this understanding that this gospel is not only for you, but also for others, for you to give to others. And ultimately, it's sent not through individuals, but through the body the of church. Christ, the church, right? And I right. think uh, it's interesting, this uh, Greek word for know, I've, I learned this from you, it's the Greek word gnosko, mm-hmm. right? But it's knowledge by experience. Mm. So when Jesus is using that at the end of, of chapter 17, that the world may know, he's talking about an experiential knowledge. So if what we think is that we just sit behind a desk and and study the word, right. and that just by preaching it, that's what's going to change mm. people to become followers of Christ. Like we've missed what this high priestly prayer is about. It's a knowledge through experience. In the same way that Jesus demonstrated the love of God tangibly to his disciples, his disciples are to tangibly express the love of God to one another, and the world by extension will see and believe. Yeah. Amen. It's a good day on the Bible rundown. Great day. We'll see, see you tomorrow. tomorrow.